For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade. And as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Glad to be with you and glad to be with all the folks here of Springfield, Missouri. And Jake, are you happy now? I've got like 39 degrees out my window here. I know it's a little <laughs> bit warmer where you are, but we're heading into the fall. How are you feeling this morning? You know, I am happy, Jeff. And I think, you know, I was singing to my son in the car. He's, he's 10. <laughs> I, I like to sing and do things that are going to embarrass him. So I, I was singing in the car. I said, it's the most wonderful, wonderful time, time of the year. Of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I am definitely enjoying myself. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. It is always uh, good to hear that you have a good time. I hope our people here in Springfield, Missouri, are having a great Saturday morning. Of course, uh, we're with you every Saturday right here on 104.1 KSGF. And, of course, we are also a podcast. If you missed any portion of the show today or you'd like to hear it all over again, simply go to wherever you get your podcast search. Show me the money, Randy and Jake Floyd, and it will be right there. Well, gentlemen, we always start off with uh, current events, and we're going to do it again. Again this week, uh, Randy and Jake, the market reached a low for this year. Are you worried or not? Well, you know, I don't know that I would say I'm worried because I have been expecting this for quite a while. In fact, you know, 18 months ago, this is what I saw coming. I thought it would come a little bit sooner, but you know, it is finally here and happening. I'm not worried because we have a plan to deal with this. And, you know, our clients are set up in such a way where they will benefit from the market cycling, meaning as the market goes down, we will take advantage of it, be able to buy more shares, and some of the safe investments will be able to cycle and make more money as well. So I'm not worried. I have a little bit of concern about the rest of the world right now. You know, this past week we saw the Bank of England taking even more extreme measures. So for those who don't know, a couple, I guess three weeks ago at this point, the Bank of England had brought their new prime minister in. And one of the things she had promised to do was to rein in the spending and reduce their balance sheets and stop the easy money policy, kind of like what we've been doing over here. Mm -hmm. So she got in there and two days after they started their tightening program, they had to go back to easing because their bond market seized up. Wow. So that is not good. That's what happened to us at the bottom of the COVID crisis in 2020 that made the Fed intervene. And so we're seeing them having a similar effect over there. They're just the first. This is going to happen to many, many countries because the demand for these bonds is not going to be high. And what they're trying to do is sell the bonds that they're holding, but nobody's going to want to buy them because of the prospect of those bonds, because of the concerns around the security of that money. Meaning, you know, is Italy going to be solvent as a country? Mm -hmm. I think that's highly in question, right? 
is Brazil, is Greece, is, uh, you know, whoever. And I think that as we look forward and more of more of that starts to happen, that's going to cause markets to uh, panic some. And again, we're ready. We're welcoming it at this point because the faster we get through this, the faster we get it over with, and then we can go back to making money. Yeah, you know, Jeff, one of the things I might add here that Jake's been referring to is, you know, we did see this coming. And if you remember our past shows, we've been saying, well, we're headed for a recession, you know, right. or we're in one and everybody's been trying to define and redefine what a recession is, you know, all along this last six months, eight months. The thing that that I would say is the thing that's always hard about this is the market doesn't always react in exactly the way we would want it to and in the timeliness that we would want it to. So while markets have had this year the what we call bear market rallies about five times, but we've ultimately gone lower each time, it's extremely painful for us to watch these bear market rallies because we know that it's a bear market rally, but a lot of people think, okay, well, it's over. It's going back up, yeah. you know, but really we're not, we're far from over in this whole financial uh, crisis and situation that we're in. That was caused basically by us shutting down the economy, printing way too much right. money and, you know, putting people out of work that wanted to work. And now that they've kind of gotten a taste of easy money, they don't <laughs> want to go back to work. The entire basis of the market comes down to two things, yeah. fear and greed. Greed. And I will tell you that, you know, the longer I'm in this business, you know, that's been, that was not my saying. That's something that's been said for 40, 50 years about the market minimum. But the longer I'm in this business, the more I realize that is true. You know, people are either afraid or they're greedy or both sometimes. Right. And if you can harness that energy, right? One of, one of the things we get asked a lot by clients, some of which you listen to the show, so you know you can understand that you're with like-minded individuals. So I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are questioning this: is how do we know that the market will come back this time? Meaning, if it goes down 30, 40, 50 percent, how do we know it's going to come back? And one of the things that I say, and some have heard me say is you can always count on people to be greedy. And at some point, the market will be cheap enough that the greed factor will override the fear factor and will just take off. And what we like to call, and I've said a few times on this show, a rip your face off rally. Right. Meaning it just it just goes up and never looks back and people are just left there scratching their heads going, well, what happened? I, I missed it. You know, And that's the kind of capitulation that we're looking for, where we go from extreme fear to extreme greed. And where there's extreme greed, there's a lot of money to be made. I'm not saying greed is good, but I am saying it can be counted on. I think Michael Douglas said that greed was I good. I believe right? so, was- yeah. And that <laughs> movie Wall Street or something, that came into my mind right there. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group about the current state of affairs and, of course, the market. I've got to ask you this. How many times in the history of the United States has the market gone down and never rebounded? Probably zero, right? Yeah, that would be exactly right. The answer to that question is zero. In fact, we often look back over our shoulder 40 years, and we've been doing that a lot lately. And the reason we do is 40 years ago, inflation was high. Also, interest rates were high because Paul Volcker had raised interest rates to where CDs were paying 12%, you know. And so as we look back over our shoulder, it's relevant from the fact that we have high inflation now. It's been 40 years. 40 years ago, the S&P 500 was 
nine points at closing. And today, even where it is at 35, 3600, it's still 35 times your money over 40 years. And there's really no other asset class that can even come close to bragging that they can do that well. And it's just simply because of, like Jake said, uh, you know, the greed factor, number one, and the fact that this is how business gets done. And it's how business gets done globally through IPOs and then trading shares on the secondary markets globally. And so we know it'll be back. And it's not a question of whether the market will come back. It's just when. Nobody has a crystal ball, at least one that works. We don't know when it is going to come back. Do you think that this down market like this, well, I think you said earlier, you sort of hinted at it. Does this present some real buying opportunities for those people who may be in the market for the longer term? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there's stocks right now that are plenty cheap to buy, meaning if you bought them today, three years from now, you would definitely be higher. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to get a better opportunity to buy them in the next three to six months. And I think to your first point too, Jeff, I think the market typically bottoms before people expect it to. Mm-hmm. This is one of the uh, kind of phenomenon that we talk about in our client meetings sometimes is people are kind of obsessed right now with the fact that the economy is not suffering, but the stock market is. That's because the stock market anticipates what's coming six, nine, maybe even 12 months out, and it prices in that information today. And so while the stock market tends to go down before the economy goes down, it also tends to rebound before the economy rebounds. So you may remember back in 2010 is the most recent time. It's easy to remember this is, you know, the market had gone way down and then it started shooting back up and people couldn't figure out why it was going up. We still had huge unemployment. The housing market was a wreck and the market is just shooting up like a like a shooting star, you know, and it was up 60 percent over a couple of years. And people are like, why is this thing going up? And, And it was referred to as the most hated rally of all time because people just couldn't understand why it was going up. It's because the market could see that we were going to find a bottom to the economy. And so it started pricing that in then. The same thing will happen here where we will bottom before the economy bottoms. So the economic repercussions of what's happening right now is going to take a few years to work itself out. But the market will not take that long to bottom. How long is it going to take to bottom? I can't say with any degree of certainty and neither can anybody else. But I can tell you that it will bottom before the economy bottoms. Why are your clients at Floyd Financial Group, or I'm not going to say all your clients, but why are a great deal of your clients not worried about what the market has done? How have you protected them against what's happening? So I would say this, Jeff, I think everybody's concerned. And I think that, yes, our clients are probably less worried, especially clients we've had for a number of years. Some of these clients we've had way back since 2007, 8, and 9. They've already been through one of these times with us once before. And then, of course, again with COVID. And here we are now as a result of COVID going through it again. But again, I think the biggest thing is, is they know that we have a plan and we have a comprehensive plan in place that plans for all the ups and downs. And that's why we don't build plans here that require the market to go straight up or we're not requiring the market to be in a position where we can always hit a home run and knock it out of the park and get, you know, uh, just we just don't set clients up that way because we don't want to set people up to fail. We want to set people up to succeed and long term not have to be looking over their shoulder all the time. And all, the other thing I would say, too, is, you know, we're pretty accessible and pretty easy to talk to. And we make all the investment decisions here. And a lot of times when people go to see their broker or their advisor, many times they work for a larger company and the company kind of pushes the uh, 
crap downhill, if you will, to uh-huh. them as to what they're going to buy and <laughs> sell. I come from corporate America, and we know that that stuff always rolls downhill. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it's just a little different scenario here. We build our plans with the thought process uh, in the beginning that we're going to have downturns and we're going to have times where it's hard to make money and we're still going to survive it. Well, if you're interested in a plan that will cause you to be just annoyed rather than devastated if the market goes down, if you're looking for somebody who is on your side, who has your back, contact Floyd Financial Group. Randy and Jake there, we're offering a no-cost, no-obligation financial review, which of course could lead to a financial plan with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. You can always request your plan online. No cost, no obligation, most importantly, no judgment at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Happy Saturday morning. The frost is on the pumpkin and we're heading into fall with great expectations and more. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about can I or should I retire into a recession? And let's be honest, guys. I mean, nobody plans to enter retirement while a recession ensues, but it does happen. So let me ask you that question that you've just asked there. Can I or should I or should our listeners retire during a recession? Is it possible? Yeah, so really, Jeff, that is a question we're answering a whole lot right now. And that kind of dovetails probably into another topic we should talk about right quick. And then we'll really get into the meat of can we retire into a recession. So right now, across the country, as most people are aware, Jerome Powell, our Fed chairman, has been raising interest rates really quickly. In fact, in zero, the Fed funds rate, that's what banks get charged to borrow money from the Fed, was zero. And then he's raised it, raised it, raised it, raised it. We're now at three to three and a quarter, and we'll soon be at four, maybe four and a half percent on the federal funds rate. And as a result of that, what we've seen is we've seen interest rates on houses go from 2% for 30-year more mortgages to nearly 7% for 30-year mortgages. And so that's one thing that's really being affected by the rising interest rates. The other thing that's being affected is, I don't know if you've seen the new uh, limits on some of these credit card advertisements out there, but they're over 30% now Amazing in interest. I mean, that's just crazy. Gosh. So it's it's affecting a lot of that. And if people have debt and things, they need to really be careful and And, not be going into debt. And make no mistake, people are taking those out like there's no tomorrow and running those up. And, you know, I think one of the best things you can do, I mean, I don't mean to get off on another tangent here, but the best thing that you can do to make money is to pay that stuff off. I mean, 30% is incredible. Yeah, right now, you're instead of investing your money, uh, they're investing in you to get a return. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take a second to. job, take a third job, <laughs> deliver pizzas. I don't mean yeah. to steal Dave Ramsey's yeah. thunder, but do anything you can as a household right. to pay that debt off and to keep that down. I mean, the status symbol today is not a new shiny BMW. It's not having debt. Yeah, for sure that would be the case. So anyway, the back to this interest rate deal, really what's happening here too now is 
people that do have pensions still at work, which we know is probably only 15, 20 percent of the, of the people in the country working today, they're seeing something they've never seen before and that we and that we really in the last two generations, 40 years have never seen. And that is the fact that their pensions are going to get devalued when they're recalculated. See, each year pensions get recalculated and the underlying investment for most pensions, because they need to be stable and secure, are fixed income instruments like bonds and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing right now is people are for the first time going to see their pension get recalculated based on rising interest rates that we haven't seen like this in 40 years where some of those pensions are going to lose 15, 20, maybe even as much as 25% of their value. Mm -hmm. And so what it's doing right now is it's forcing people to go, okay, you know, I'm 62, I'm 60, I'm 61, I'm 55, I'm 52. In some cases, people are saying, you know, I was already sick and tired of being sick and tired at work. Uh And now I don't want to work the next two or three years trying to get what I'm going to lose in my pension back. So they're thinking of taking an exit out the door. So what's happening for those people that are 55 and older what they're doing in many cases is they are retiring, taking money out of their 401k after they have retired, even though they're not 59 and a half at 55, you can do that out of your last employer's 401k without having to pay a penalty. And they're taking their lump sum pension and investing it and waiting till 59 and a half to pull that money out of an IRA. There's also some folks using what's called Rule 72T, and 72T allows us to pull money out of an IRA prior to 59 and a half without having to pay the 10% penalty. Now, you still got to pay tax, but you don't have to pay the penalty. So there's a lot of people right now rethinking retirement. And here's what I would say. You know, if you haven't looked into this, if you are one of those folks that has a pension opportunity, you should look at what is going to happen with your lump sum pension opportunity. See where you are now and where, you know, we think it's going to be calculated to be. And many of the companies, most companies will have a way for you to go out and look at and really figure out what your pension may suffer during this reset. Now, it's important to know that most of this reset is going to happen between now and the end of November. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at this, if you even have an inkling that you may want to exit the building, you need to start working on this right now. And by all means, do give us a call here at Floyd Financial Group. That's 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. If you want to discuss this further and talk about it, we'd love to sit with you. But again, time is short on that right. uh, that pension thing. So just something that hasn't come up in four decades. Right. <laughs> until right now. So I just wanted to throw that out there for everyone. Now we're going to get back to can I and should I retire into a recession? So, you know, we have people come in here every day, multiple times per week. What we're doing is we're sitting down, we're going through our five steps to get to know people, our discovery and our analysis and planning process to help people see if they can do that, looking at their social security, if their pension, if they have one, how much money they've saved, how do we tap money from your 401k, how much can we tap? And so what we would say is, this, even though we're headed into a recession and even though we're headed into tough times, it still does not mean that we cannot let you go ahead and retire and get you retired right now. Or what it really doesn't mean, too, is is that maybe, you know, you're sitting here going, okay, we're in a recession. This looks pretty rough. I really would like to go in the next couple of years into retirement. Let's get an assessment of where we are and what makes sense. And for some folks, they'll go now. And for some, they will go ahead and wait till this maybe turns around next year or maybe even wait a couple of years before they do it. But I guess what I'm really getting to is now is probably the time for people to really come in and sit down with us and talk about 
where they are and when they want to retire. And we're having people right now retiring. I mean, we're retiring people every day of the week and getting them out and getting them on the way to living the life they've dreamed of after they've worked 25, 30, 40, 50 years in some cases. So if someone elects to retire right now, are you saying that they can retire, but at the same time, are they going to accept a lower quality of life? I mean, less money. How does that work? Well, so here's the thing. You know, when markets are down, we know that we are probably going to have to tighten our belts some. Now, one of the things that we do is we set up income streams here based on what I would call long-term reality. So long-term reality is, you know, we talked last week or a couple of weeks back about this old rule called the 4% rule. Mm -hmm. So the 4% rule says basically, Jeff, hey, if I've got a million dollars that I have invested, I can pull 4% or $40,000 a year off that investment, and I can adjust it for inflation looking forward, and I shouldn't spend all my money before the end of 30 years or something like that. I will tell you that with careful planning, even during recessionary times, we can still do that and probably a little bit more. We have to build the plan right, though, from the beginning. And there's many parts to building this plan, and we use some of the, what I would really call more of the advanced tools than a lot of people are using. A lot of people are just sitting out here going, okay, well, I'm going to retire based on what the market does. And uh, it'll be like one guy told me that was in the real estate business. He said, yeah. He said, you know, during really good times, we all bought new Cadillacs. We bought new houses. We bought boats. He said, and then when the, when the real estate market turned south, we sold our Cadillacs. We sold our boats. <laughs> and then we, we waited for better times. Yeah. And so we don't really want to set people up that way. What we want to do is we want to set people up yeah. to where they can retire in to a comfortable position and stay that way looking forward. And yes, we can do it even in recessionary times. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group about retiring into a recession. Another key to weathering a recession, I think, is to adjust your retirement timelines. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of people that are doing that as they come in and they sit down with us and they kind of see where we are or where they are, I should say, with all their finances and Social Security and all that. Some are saying, okay, well, you know, I think I will go ahead and work another year or two. We'll have this downturn in the market behind us. We'll be back on the mend. We'll maybe have inflation under control. But I would also say there's one other thing that's happening a lot right now, and that is as people come in and retire, they are realizing how many jobs are available part-time for people to retire early. In some cases, the ones they're working right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We have some people that are retiring, and within six months, they're back working for the same people they left, you know, at a better pay rate and working part-time, and a lot of times they're working from home. So there's just a lot of different things out there that people are doing. And in fact, I had one guy I was talking to at church on Sunday. He said, you know, I got so many opportunities, I don't know which one to pick. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And so there's a lot of opportunity for going into a partial retirement or maybe working half-time. And quite frankly, Jeff, when I go into retirement, I'm probably going to go to Mm half-time working here first rather than just go all the way to retirement. Now, some people say, you know what? I've had it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. I'm going to hang the mistletoe right behind me when I go out the door. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm done, you know, and, but now, and that's fine if that's you, but there are other people that say, you know what? 
I still would like to maintain a schedule. I'd like to maybe have some extra income right now to go and do some of those things we've always wanted to do and not really tap too heavily into our retirement accounts. And we even have some people that have started Social Security and work part-time that aren't even tapping any of their retirement savings because they have enough income coming in just off those two sources, Social Security and their work. Yeah, when you talk about stopping working cold turkey there, I sort of think of you know driving on the freeway there. You don't go 70 miles an hour and then just go to zero. You sort of slow down a little bit. And the same goes for retirement. If you're working full-time right now, go to part-time and then uh, wean yourself off of working from there. We're talking with Randy Jacob, Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could join us here in this fine Saturday morning. I do want to remind you of something that uh, Randy was talking about earlier, and that is if you do have a pension, time is not on your side at this point in time. You could be losing a lot of money if you do not talk about your pension and the fact that the rising interest rates could cost you money. Again, to talk about that with Randy and Jake, 417-889-7233. You can also request an appointment online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Same number, same website if you're interested in a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. floydfinancialgroup.com or 417-889-7233. You're listening to Show Me The Money with Randy and Jake. We'll take Take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. So welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, Jeff, we're going to talk about things we might want to consider doing before year end. That's right. And year end is going to be here before you know it. We are already in October and it's going to be a blink of an eye and it's going to be 2023. So let's tackle that a little bit. The first one on my mind is uh, capital gains. I know that there was some legislation out there about capital gains sort of pushed to the back burner. Can you enlighten us on what that was and whether or not it may rear its ugly head again? Sure. So when Joe got into office, he was talking about, you know, he wanted to raise capital gains and he wanted to do away with uh, step up in basis. And mm-hmm. so, you know, let me explain a couple of things there. So capital gain, generally what that is and what you're talking about, there's two types. There's short term, which is taxed as ordinary income. Mm-hmm. And then there's long term capital gains, which have a different tax rate. So short term capital gains are where you hold an asset 12 months or less. Uh, and then the long terms are 12 months and greater than that is what distinguishes between long term and short term capital gains. So one of the things that Joe wanted to do was he wanted to go ahead and make long-term capital gains the same tax rate as your short-term, which would be tax it like ordinary income. He also wanted to do away with what's called the step-up in basis. Now, the step-up in basis says this, Jeff. Let's say that let's say that you're my dad. Right. I know you're not, but let's say, let's say <laughs> I'd be proud, son. I'd be proud. <laughs> <laughs> and you bought a property for a hundred thousand dollars forty years ago, and today it's worth a million dollars. The step-up in basis says that if you pass that to me as a result of your death, that I get a step up in basis to the $1 million, meaning you paid 100000 it's worth a million, there's a $900,000 capital gain there, but because you passed it as a result of your death, 
death, it comes up to the million dollars. So if I sell it for a million dollars when you die, mm -hmm. I owe no capital gains. Versus if you give it to me while you're alive, I get to assume your basis. Then when I sell it for a million dollars, the difference between one million and 100,000, that 900,000, I'm taxed on. Right. Well, Joe wanted to make it to where there was no step up in basis and mm. everybody was always going to pay that extra tax. And so now it's kind of been pushed to the back burner. It's kind of been a dead issue. I think they've had a lot bigger fish to fry over these last this last yeah. year or so. Hope he forgets about that because that would be disastrous for people who want to pass on things like the family farm. That just seems unfair. Yeah, right, exactly. And the other part of it too that sometimes is forgotten about is he was also wanting to do away with long-term capital gains tax rates. So mm -hmm. the other part of this is Right now, long-term capital gains, meaning capital gains of something you held longer than one year, have a preferred tax rate, a lower tax rate than your normal income does. So he wanted to get rid of that as well. So everything would be taxed at ordinary income. So tax on a $900,000 capital gain is bad enough, but what if you were taxed on it as ordinary income and it throws you into the, you know, you're paying 40%, depending on your state, uh, at least 40% in taxes, and then you're also having the pleasure of having your, if you're already receiving Medicare, your Medicare Part B goes to 1000 a month or wow, something. Yeah. And a whole bunch of things get really jacked up. So that would be not good for the average Joe uh, not you know, <laughs> or That's, the average uh, anybody else. Yeah. That, that, that increase in Medicare, by the way, is called Irma. Irma. <laughs> okay. Hurricane Irma. So it's all Irma's fault. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the income threshold limit uh, yeah, as to yeah. what you because most of us pay $170 and 10 cents for right. Medicare Part B these days. But if you have too much money, well, guess what? They want you to pay more. It's one of those things that I guess if you're wealthier, you get sicker. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, long and the short of it is the capital gain issue is kind of dead right now. I will say this, you know, the current tax system that we're working under has a sunset provision of 2025. So the tax cuts that were put into place by President Trump and, and then, of course, the new death tax limits, uh, the estate tax limits, those will expire in 2025, I should say. A lot of things are going to change there. Now, some other year-end items we may want to consider. We're talking about taxes. So we'll go ahead and continue in that vein here just a little bit. If you are thinking of making a large purchase, and sometimes we have people come in and they say, well, you know, I've been thinking about tapping my IRA to buy this $80,000 vehicle that Ooh. I'd really like to have. And so I'm quick to tell them, well, you know, if you take the 80000 you add it to your income, I said it's going to cost you, you know, about 25 or 30% more. So to buy that $80,000 vehicle, you're going to have to tap one hundred and four or 5000 and I said, you know, there's two ways to look at this. Number one, let's see if we can go find a suitable finance rate. There's still some zero stuff out there. I would prefer that. And people say, well, yeah, but I don't like payments. Well, once you give all that money to the government, you never see that back. So we want to make sure that uh, we go in with our eyes wide open when we make a large purchase. And maybe we want to divide it, especially this time of the year. Here we are in the third quarter. Maybe we will divide it. We'll pay half now and half next year, mm -hmm. divided up into two tax years. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to look at making a large purchase, but we all always want to be mindful of taxes, especially, you know, today there's a lot of people with lots of money out there, but most of it is all taxable because it's been inside a 401k or an IRA or something, you know, like that. 
Well, you sort of shocked me with $80,000 for a vehicle. I don't think I would pay $80,000 for a vehicle unless I could live in it. I mean, that is amazing <laughs> that people are really spending that much. I guess I'm living in old times. Uh, I was just going to say, around here, it's mainly big pickup trucks. Yeah. Diesels yep. and dualies and things like that that... You know, you don't see a lot of uh, Maseratis and Bentleys around here, but we do see a <laughs> However, lot of, we, there are a few, but, uh, but we do see a lot of three-quarter ton, one-ton trucks out here. I will ask you guys this, just yeah. to see if you're really in the know Uh-oh. here, okay? So what is the average cost of a new car purchase in America right now? Hmm, average cost. Jake, I'll let you go Six, first. $62,000. I was going to say forty-seven five. so Randy, who's Ooh, closer? Oh, you're really close. It's closer to 46000 okay. Which still is really high. And the other thing that I was reading the other day said that there are like 40-some percent of people are paying $1,000 a month in car payments. Gosh. That's a lot. (laughs) Are you kidding me? That is unbelievable. And when you think about it, too, if 40% of people are paying $1,000 a month, well, that 40% is probably making an average of $50,000 or $60,000 a year household income. That is incredible. That means means they're spending 20% of their income on car payments. That That's is a lot. crazy, and that is a depreciating, I'm not even going to call it a depreciating asset because it's not an asset. So you're going to pay $1,000 a month for something that depreciates. It's true. Crazy. Every car I ever had was a liability. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Nothing about that. So anyway, uh, lastly, we want to talk about funding IRAs and things of that nature. Now, yeah. we know, yeah. you know you do have on your traditional IRAs and your Roth IRAs, you have until tax day of the following year. So whatever you want to fund for this year, you have till tax day in 2023 to fund that. But I would say this, you should consider where you are on your taxes and kind of figure out, hey, do I want to fund an IRA and make preparations to do it? This way you've got some time to think about it. So whether it's, uh, you know, if it's a traditional IRA, it's going to help you save some tax money now. If it's a Roth IRA, after five years and 59 and a half, it's going to save you tax money all the days of your life. And then one last thing you people should consider is, have I funded an HSA? because I can put a health savings account together out there. Mm-hmm. I can fund that with pre-tax dollars. I can spend that for my eyeglasses, for my deductible, for my insurance, for my medication, all that stuff, and I get to pay it with pre-tax dollars. So just a couple of things there to think about in addition to all the other things we talked about for a year in, and I'm sure this is not the whole list, but yeah. it was a pretty good start. Well, I would say one more, one last, one last would be back to the capital gains thing for a second. Is It's been a long time since we've had any situation for capital loss carry forward. So what is that? If I sell something at a loss, either a property or stocks or bonds, and I'm at a loss when I sell it, either short term or long term, that loss, you can use that to offset your taxes. A lot of people know that. What a lot of people may not know is if you do not have enough gain to offset that loss, you can carry it forward to future years. So let's say that you have, you know, an account at E-Trade or Fidelity or wherever, and that money is after-tax money, and you have some mutual funds in there that are down a lot. If you sell those this year, you can carry forward that loss to offset future gain. So when this market does turn around, there's going to be gains to be had. And instead of being taxed on those, you can use and harvest that capital loss for future year's gains. One other thing to add to that, Jake, is yes, it should be pointed out that a capital gain and a capital loss 
will actually offset each other dollar for dollar. If we're looking at a situation where you don't have a capital gain to offset, that carry forward that you didn't use can be used up to $3,000 a year against your regular income tax. Right. And you can carry that forward for many years and use that to actually give you a little tax mitigation looking forward for a long time. So these are some of the things that you want to consider before year's end. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group right here in Springfield. Gentlemen, I'm still getting myself up off the floor here about those $80,000 trucks. (laughs) I had no idea those things were that expensive. I had a 73 F100. I think I'm going to hold on to that truck. Anyway, if you're listening to the program today and you're impressed by the knowledge and the depth of knowledge that Randy and Jake have there at Floyd Financial Group, you'd like to get in and sit down with these gentlemen and discuss your individual situation. No cost, no obligation to do that to get your financial plan. Call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, or you can request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. We hope everybody's having a great Saturday morning. Thank you for including us in your Saturday plans. We're going to take a quick break here on Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, Jeff, we're going to wrap up with this, what I would call, uh, Randy, what does it look like when I come in there to see you? That's right. And when you first come in to see Randy Jake at Floyd Financial Group, what you're going to be looking at is probably the smiling face of Ashley. She is out there in the front. She is one of the most pleasant people that I have ever met in my life. So she's going to greet you and she's always got a box of cookies or something good to drink out there. But beyond that, let's talk about the first thing that happens once you finally get in and sit down with you guys. Yeah, so one of the things I would say, Jeff, is over the years, we have heard from people that many times they feel really, really uneasy about coming in to see us in the beginning. And I just want to let people know that there's no reason to be nervous about it. There's no reason to feel apprehensive. We're just people just like you. And what we're really going to do is sit down and have a conversation. And we've developed a five-step process to kind of help us get through what we need to get through with clients and potential clients as we are learning about them. And so really, it's a very relaxed conversation. Step one of our five-step program is just called discovery. And discovery is just about learning what's important to people, what they're trying to accomplish, learn a little bit about their family and family dynamics and that sort of thing, and really get a handle on how they see retirement and what's important to them is really what discovery uh, is all about. So that is the first step of the five-step process is simply discovery. And again, there is no judgment. I think a lot of people are afraid to come in to see you because they think they don't have enough money. I mean, how much money do you have to have to come see you folks? Yeah, there's no uh, magic number of you know, that you have to have to come in to see us. I often tell people, you know, that there's a lot of people that have done really well and have tons of money, and then there's those that are more like the average person that's right. walking around out here that you see every day, and probably a financial plan is more important to that person than the mega wealthy because we really don't change the lifestyle of someone that's got ten or fifteen million dollars like we do with somebody that's got two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars or whatever that number is. So I think that you know there's no reason to be apprehensive. And the other thing I would add here, Jeff, is sometimes people are just in general scared to talk about 
money. Yeah. And you, you remember the lady I had, oh, I, yeah. I always refer to this, you know, <laughs> so now we have to talk about scary money stuff. And I just, it was such a light dawns on marble head moment for me, <laughs> you know, you know, and since that time, I've often thought about that. So we just want people to be comfortable. And that's what discovery is about, just learning about them and what they're really wanting to accomplish. Then we move into what we call step two. Right. Which is analysis. What is the analysis part of this? So the analysis part of this is where we do all the work. We ask you a few questions and you share knowledge with us is really what ends up happening. So during the analysis process, we're going to look at things like risk tolerance. And when we look at risk tolerance, that's such a, that's a nebulous term. So what we're really looking to do is see what people's comfort level is with what I call market volatility. Now, one thing we know, we're always going to have market volatility. The market's going to go up, the market's going to go down. Interest rates are going to go up, they're going to go down. So one of the things we have to really do to get people comfortable is we have to figure out what is their risk tolerance? What are they comfortable with? And also during that process, we're going to look at all of the money that they've saved over their lifetime and what assets they have to work with going into retirement. So that's the analysis process is to really get to know them financially. And also, you know, one of the things we're going to look at and we're going to ask them for here is, by the way, what's your budget? And and again, it's not that we're trying to put people on a budget. It's just that most of the people we're seeing have raised a family. They've paid off a house in many cases. They've paid off college debt. They've paid off all the college debt for their kids. And they haven't been on a budget in a while because they just had enough money and it really wasn't a big issue. But now in retirement, we kind of need to quantify what that number is so that we can look at that and see if that number is attainable and sustainable over 30 years of retirement, uh, pulling off of Social Security if if they are lucky enough to have a pension, the pension plan, and of course their savings. We're talking with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group about their five-step retirement process and what it looks like when you come in for your initial conversation. Of course, first is discovery, and you talked about analysis. What is the third thing that you do? What's the third step? So once Jake and I kind of have all the pieces to the puzzle, what we do then is we go in and we put the puzzle together. Yes, you don't have to do it as a retiree. We're going to help you put that puzzle together. You know, most retirees are going to retire once in a lifetime. Now, I do have a few people that come in here. They've got two retirements and things like that. But most people only retire once in a lifetime, and we retire people here every day. So part of the planning process is just to have all the pieces to the puzzle so we can go out and develop a plan that works within people's risk tolerance, gives them the income that they're looking for, and the flexibility they need to live the retirement of their dreams. So once you've done that planning process, you've got that plan there, you put together the uh, puzzle, you present it to people, do they have the opportunity to make some tweaks, some changes to it? I mean, how does it work from there? Absolutely. It's kind of a a living thing, (laughs) you know, so we start with the, you know, we get all the data in the beginning from discovery and analysis, then we do the plan. And then, you know, people come in, they say, well, yeah, you know, I don't think I will. I I think we should have told you that we want to spend more money early and maybe not so much later. So can we change and tweak that a little bit? And the answer is yes. We definitely want to be sure that we've dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, talked about the necessary flexibilities and 
the and the changes that may be coming down the road. Because one thing's for sure, and Jake refers to this all the time, is the retirement you think you're going to have probably won't be the exact retirement you're going to have. <laughs> things are going <laughs> to be different and yeah. things are going to change along the way. So your clients do have some input into this. It's not, here's the plan, take it or leave it. It's let's work together to make it the plan that, you know, is going to work best for you. So we've got discovery, analysis, planning. Once you've decided that is the right plan for you, the next step is what? Next step is implementation. So implementation is where we actually start to put the plan in place. And so we make it easy for people. We do all the paperwork, make all the phone calls to the 401k company and all those different things. Or we do it online sometimes, just depending on what the situation is. Sometimes we have to gather forms from the 401k company, but we get all that stuff and help people walk th- through the whole process. I even go out on the social security website and help sign people up for social security mm-hmm. during the implementation program. We work through all that stuff. We have people in the building that are notaries because once in a while, if we're not going to take a pension monthly payment, we have to, and we're going to take a lump sum pension. You know, we have to have the spouse sign off on the fact that they gave up the monthly to get the lump sum. There's all kinds of things that come into play. But we're used to all those things, so we know how to, how to get the paperwork ready, who needs to sign where, and what needs to be notarized, and all that. And so that's what implementation is about. Is about. We make it easy, do all the work and the heavy lifting, and then we have people back in. We develop all their you know, logins and things they need, because everything here is available to see live, You know, pretty much live at TD Ameritrade, where we park most of the money in stocks and that sort of thing. And certainly daily, everywhere else, we have live feeds, so people can see their information. We want to make sure they're set up to do that. And then we go into step number five. And step number five, I would imagine, is the follow-up. I mean, it's not just a set it and forget it thing. And then, you know, you never call anybody. It doesn't work that way. Right, exactly. So generally, after we have people back in and we're all settled, we're going to have them back in in about 90 days. And we'll kind of review what's changed, what's working, what's not. Do they need to change their income stream? Is it too much? Is it too little? Sometimes we have people that actually don't end up spending all the money that we're sending them. And so we tell them that, hey, if that's coming out of an IRA account and you're not actually spending that money, all you're doing is paying needless taxes and also taking that money into into a bank where it can't really earn for you. So there's all kinds of little adjustments and little tweaks that we have to make along the way. And that's why we have that 90-day follow-up. And then we'll schedule another 90 days out, another 90 days out. Sometimes after two or three of those people go, you know, I'm tired of seeing you, Randy. I'll see you in six months. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Or <laughs> if anything changes, we'll let you know. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, anyway, that's the five steps. Discovery, analysis, planning, implementation, and then we monitor the plan. And everybody stays connected that way. And there's no surprises because you know the worst thing is is if you went you know a year or two and didn't look at the at your money you come back and if something has changed you go wow i wasn't expecting that so we like to stay in touch with people and we meet them wherever they want to be as far as how often they want to meet and early on we want to meet about every 90 days randy there may be people listening to this program today who are saying well there are some smart guys at floyd financial group but i really don't think they can help me Do you ever run into clients that you absolutely just cannot help at all, or can you always make it better in some way? No, no, we can always make it better. So there's always a few tools in the toolbox that they may not know about, and uh, not that people aren't smart and don't have their business under control. They do, but there's things that we can do generally. I would say also sometimes there are situations where we will not do any business, but we will still offer some advice, and mm. we, we bring value. That's that's really our goal, and that's been my goal in the 15 years I've been here is 
if I can just bring value to people where it's needed, regardless of what that looks like, that's what I want to do. I want to I want to make people's situation better than where I found it. And so uh, I think that's really what we're about here. And everything else is secondary. We want to we want to improve the situation. And I think some listeners may be concerned about the fact that they may not be able to afford you. Let's talk about fees. How are you compensated? I mean, do the people have to write you a check during this consultation? How does it work? No. Any of these meetings that we have, and by the way, getting through this five-step process is generally a two or a three meeting process, sometimes even four meetings. It just depends on the client and how many questions they have, and we want to meet people where they are and make them comfortable. But you're never going to write us a check for anything that we do here at Floyd Financial Group. We're a fee-based RIA, Registered Investment Advisory Firm. Now, we do some other business we have for people that need long-term care insurance or life insurance or something of that nature. We have a company called Family Fortress. We operate out of here as well. But really, we're a fiduciary. We uh, have to put the client's interest above our own. You would think that would be a given, but it's not. And that's why we're quick to distinguish the fact that we are a fiduciary and we don't even have a broker-dealer. That's a transactional or commission mm-hmm. basis process for investing money in the market. We don't even have a setup for that. We are simply an RIA. So you are held to the fiduciary standard, and what that means for people who do not know is that you must put your client's interest ahead of yours no matter what the fee is, right? That is correct. I would say also, Jeff, that that includes fees when it comes to being a fiduciary. You know, I can't just charge whatever I want and right. it be in your best interest. It has to be a, a reasonable amount of fees. And like you said, there are no fees for any of these consultations. If we get together and do something together, there will be some fees. We do get paid. We have to keep the doors open and that right. kind of thing. But you'll see all that coming a mile away. And it's like Randy said, it's not something you're ever going to be writing us a check for. Once again, it doesn't cost anything. There's no cost and no obligation for your meeting with Floyd Financial Group. Again, the five steps, discovery, analysis, planning, implementation, and follow-up. If this sounds good to you, you'd like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake with no judgment. Randy and Jake realize that everybody puts their pants on the same way, one leg at a time. Call 417-889-7233 to get in and get your plan. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, my how time flies when you're having fun. The clock says it's time for us to go. I want to thank you for your time, Randy and Jake. But most of all, I want to thank our fine listeners here in Springfield for joining us here on this Saturday morning. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.